What number is this, Chip? Episode 98, a look back at Monkey's memories. Monkey's news, listener feedback, and Monkey's color cast commentary for Captain Crocodile. Yay! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short and you're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And today we are joined by Melanie Mitchell. Hello. Christine Carlson-Wolf. Hi, everybody. And the lovely Sarah Clark. Hey, y'all. Here we are. We are back at it again. There's a bunch of monkeys news going on. Today we'll be looking back at monkeys' memories, some clips from when the monkeys became hot again back in the 80s. And... We will also have the Monkeys color cast commentary for Captain Crocodile. So it's another action-packed show. And right now, we're going to hop into some Monkeys news. Zilcher Kathy Putnam Divini shared some exciting news on our Facebook page earlier this week. She wrote, Super exciting news to share with you all. My quilt that I designed and created, Shades of Zilch, is now in the September issue number 18 of Make Modern Magazine. I know there are a few quilters in this group, so if you would like to try to make this or something similar, please grab your copy. I'm stoked that my labor of love, inspired by the monkeys, is now released out into the interwebs and hopefully will inspire other makers to create what moves you. And I've seen this quilt. It's really cool. It's kind of based off the LP box set that Rhino put out with all the different colors, and it's just, it's so nifty. It's very cool. I know that she had said previously that she named it after our Facebook group uh, and the program because without us, she would not have been into the monkeys as big as she was and may not have even known about the box set. So in an indirect way, we were inspiration for this creation. That's very cool. Amazing. I could barely sew a button on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, quilts don't have buttons, so you'd be okay. But monkeys' shirts have buttons. Yes. Yes, they do. So. Eight of them. And my floor has little metal ball tops. Yeah. So we know exactly who to get uh, make us some cool monkey shirts. Kathy. Kathy, we love you, and we are so proud of you. We are, this is very cool. I just love how the monkeys kind of inspire their fans to do something with their creativity, and this is just another perfect example of this. Kathy, we love you to pieces. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Pieces. What was that? <laughs> quilt pieces. <laughs> Piece work. <laughs> yes, quilts. I get it. I'm hip. So, Melanie, what else is up in Monkey's News? Well, we hear from our friends at the Real Peter Torque official Facebook page that they are going to host a series of Torkey's discussion group 
viewing parties. Mm. The first one will be this coming Friday, September 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. When Torkies everywhere will watch the episode, It's a Nice Place to Visit, at the same time, all in the comfort of their own homes, and connect through the Torkies discussion group on Facebook to chat about the episode, share ideas, jokes, and generally hang out together having a good time. This is a participatory activity. Peter's Facebook team wants to hear from all of Peter's fans. You can connect through the Peter's official Facebook page or go to Facebook and search for Torkey's Discussion Group. And that's Torkey's spelled with two E's. T-O-R-K-E-E-S. Like the monkeys. Exactly. I really love how they're so interactive and really it's, it's great for Peter Tork to have such a great team and such a great Facebook presence. It's, it's just fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, you know I'm all about that TV show, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm hoping I can make it to that. And we all love everybody over at the Peter Tork Facebook page, so this is cool that this extension of the goodness that's going on there is spreading out even further into the cool interweb. so... We love mm-hmm. you guys. We love you to pieces. Absolutely. More, more, yep. more quilt pieces. <laughs> the fabric of our life. What commercial was that? The fabric. The touch. Cotton. The feel of cotton. 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 The fabric of our lives. We need uh, to get into the same key. Nice echo too. <laughs> and, and and that was the Zilch family choir with the look, cotton. the feel of cotton. So. Yeah, the, 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 the cotton. <laughs> Cotton advisory board, I imagine. I don't know. <laughs> so, what's the next bit of monkeys news? Well, I'll take this one. So, are the monkeys finally heading to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, if a recent reader poll on goldberry.com is any indication, the answer seems to be yes. There, the monkeys were the resounding winners garnering 32% of their total votes. And second place, just for comparison, went to Three Dog Night with 17%. So that's a pretty good margin. And although Goldberry has no affiliation with the Hall of Fame, these polls, there have been some others over the previous months like them, these polls could be a good indicator for who might be included in the fan voting for induction. So... Hashtag induct the monkeys. Let's do it, guys. Agreed 100%. Mm-hmm. They, they should be in there. If there's going to be a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they deserve to be in there because it should reflect the love of the people that actually listen and purchase music. And Absolutely. Uh, there's a yep. lot of us that, that are among the people that buy monkeys music, oddly enough. You would find that amongst the audience of Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. So we definitely are behind the hashtag induct the monkeys movement. So hashtag induct the monkeys. Let everybody know what you think about it on your particular social media. Let's make some noise. Our next item. Well, next up, we've got some interesting monkey events. The first one, you can now find Nez and Video Ranch on YouTube. Uh, Check out their channel. It really is nifty. And 
Nez will be appearing and signing autographs at the Chiller Theater Expo. This is a three-day event held from October 27th to 29th at the Hilton Parsippany in Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh, if you can't make it, you can still get an 8x10 signed or even something of your own signed. Simply go to monkeymeetandgreets.com for instructions. Uh, items can be sent directly. Uh, Jody will get them signed and will include a picture and a hologram of authenticity. Uh, they'll even pay the insurance to send items back, but they can only accept 50 more items, so do not delay. Mm. Items will be so signed in person at Chiller and sent back the following week. So if you've been needing to get something signed by Nez, it sounds like a great opportunity. Fantastic. Absolutely. You know, it's it's cool that Nez is going to be doing this chiller appearance. He, he seems mm -hmm. to be enjoying these things. Yeah, he, he, I've noticed, he, you know, the last con he went to, he's got a lot of, lots of great photos with him with the Avengers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm hoping we get some more cute photos out of it. Nothing like Nez hanging out with Iron Man. Yeah, right. I mean, for years I'd kind of wondered if they were the same guy, but I guess that sort of sorts <laughs> that one out. Video Ranch Man. Exactly. <laughs> and of course we have the 50 Summers of Love. It's, it, that's, that's a thing, but it seems like it's been rebranded. Lately we've been seeing some ads for the 50 Summers of Love tour rebranded with the phrase Sounds of the 60s featuring Mickey Dolenz and Mark Lindsay and the Fab Four. Whatever the show is called, you should be sure to see Mickey on tour with Mark Lindsay and the Fab Four as their tour continues. And I know that uh, Sarah, Christine, and myself are going to be at the St. Louis show. We'll be at the show in St. Louis on October 13th, and we would love to see you there. We're going to try to have a big doing there, right? A big doings, isn't that the phrase? A big doings? Big doings, yeah. A big doings. <laughs> a big chunk of the Zilch staff will be at the show in St. Louis on October 13th. We would love to see you there, so we encourage you to check out any of the shows, no matter what's it called, because what's the old saying? A rose by any other name, right, is still is what's the saying a rose by any other name smells just as sweet ah there you go there you go so whether it's the sounds of the 60s or the 50 summers of love go see this tour it's great it's lots of fun and i myself am becoming a really huge raiders fan and I know I've been bugging Christine with the Raiders. And, <laughs> uh, not bugging. I've loved it. It's great. Yeah, there's some great tunes there. And if you're not a Raiders fan, you should really get a Greatest Hits. It's lots of fun, great music. And, of course, we also want to encourage everyone to catch Peter Tork on October 21st in Westbury, New York at the Hot Autumn Nights concert featuring the Grassroots and Peter Noon. He's not doing much as far as touring this season, but we know he's very busy. We've been seeing updates from him every so often online, so we look very, very forward to some new music from Peter Tork, however that shakes out. We just, we just love the monkeys, and, and it's great that everybody seems to be keeping busy, and that's, that's great. And now it's time to jump into the monkeys' mailbag. Everybody ready? Yep. I'm ready. It's Liberty. All righty. Box 9847 
Yes, the monkey's mailbag. And today, we're going to read some reviews from iTunes, from our good friends who listen to the show on iTunes. And you can send us a message, and we will read your ratings right here in the monkey's mailbag. Up first, Melanie, you want to take this one? Yeah, this one came in from Canada, and the title is Rock and Roll by Lee from the Tramps Like Us podcast. Uh, Five-star rating. Thank you very much, Lee. Lee wrote, Great entertainment for rock and roll fans. I listen to every episode. You should, too. Love this show. Ken knows his stuff. Great taste in music. Kiss, Cheap Trick, and The Monkees. Check out all the podcasts. Makes me want to bring them apples, peaches, bananas, and pears. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> you know, he's, he's dangerous for my reputation. He says that I know my stuff. Uh, I, I, I cannot possibly live with that much pressure. You know, I know nothing. What's the line? I so know. who are you to speak? Yes. Yep. But who am I to speak since I know nothing? So there we go. Well, maybe the rest of us know something. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Surround yourself with a good team. That's right. <laughs> and I see we have one from Great Britain. Sarah, you want to take this one? Absolutely. It's titled, Hey, Hey, It's the Zilchers by Robert Monkeyman on August 15th. And another five-star rating. Thank you, as always. Robert says, just started listening to your podcast, so I have a bit of catching up to do. It's a fantastic show. I look forward to the show every month. I've joined the Facebook group. Many thanks. Thanks, Robert. Yeah. Hey, Robert. And Robert, with a name like Robert Monkey Man as a nickname, I would imagine that Zilch is the show just for you. We are glad you found us. Christine, you want to do this last one? Sure. So we have yet another five-star review on iTunes. This one is from Joey Rock and Roll RST, and he writes, The monkeys definitely deserve their own podcast, and there is not a better representative to put it out there than Mr. Ken Mills. Plus, you don't have to sell your soul to the devil or Mr. Bob Dabalina to get it. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, we know who Joey Rock and Roll RST is. That's Joey Haney. He does this incredibly cool show called Rock Strikes 10, where they play 10 songs, no more, no less, and they build a theme around each episode, and it's it's really cool. And he and his wife, Nola, went to see the Monkees at the Bomb Factory in Dallas last year. Mm -hmm. He was part of our first big zilch button extravaganza which wound up on national television how cool is that zilch buttons on cable who would have thunk it that's that's the way it should be right way to kick it off you know i mentioned earlier that i was really digging the raiders right now in anticipation of going to see mickey mark Lindsay, and the fab four in st louis and again check them out on this tour this has rapidly become one of my favorite songs from the Paul Revere and the Raiders album, Hard and Heavy with Marshmallow. Wherever you are right now, start dancing. I don't care if you're sitting in your chair. Chair dance with me. It's Paul Revere and the Raiders with Time After Time.
out that concert tour. It's going to be great. You can see this on YouTube, and you can see the monkeys invade the set of the Raiders TV show. Zilcher Lubabinga was going through some old videotapes and found some really cool clips from around the monkeys reunion, and we're going to play a few of those right now. It's just it's just fun to take a look back and remember when the monkeys became hot again, thanks to MTV, their show, and their music. What a great time that was. Let's flip on the TV channel here and let's grab the old remote and check out some of these clips. A look back at Monkey's memories. Mickey Dolan's in London working as a director. I started directing during the Monkey's. I directed a couple episodes and um, always had a taste for it from then on. And then the most recently I've been doing this television series now for the last, must be about a year and a half now, maybe two years. And it was a dream come true as far as I was concerned. Here we come. In 1965. I was cast as the drummer in the Monkees. Uh, Mike and Peter were professional musicians. David and I were actors. So David and I had to learn to be musicians and Mike and Peter had to learn to act. Peter Talk is the current rage of Japan. He's now performing with a new group. I'm in Tokyo to do some concerts with my band, the New Monks. It's a bunch of uh, tough, modern, young musicians. Uh, I'm singing twice as good as I did last month, and I'm going to be singing twice as good a month from now. Mike Nesbitt lives in Northern California and just completed a video record. Here we are. It's my first video record, which is really neat. And it's a lot different than a phonograph record, which I've been making because I can see you and I can talk to you, which I like a whole lot. Her name was Rodan, and she lived in the ocean off Japan. Caught up with Davy Jones in Tokyo. The Monkees were tremendous success all over the world. We played in five or six different countries live, and we performed in about 36 countries as the Monkees on television. Uh, the show is still showing all over the world. Therefore, I'm able to travel and do concerts uh, in different parts of the globe, which is really a treat, especially now because the Monkees having been made 15 years ago is now being shown for instance here in tokyo and the 12 and 13 year old fans are discovering it for the first time they think it's a new show so here i go out onto the stage singing and they monkeyed around a bit this morning hard rock cafe lauren sydney was there the monkeys who could ever forget them? It's been 20 years since they first hit the pop TV scene, and although most people remember them looking this way, time has not diminished their appeal. What, what is this saying? You're not getting older, you're getting better. better. It's kind of bringing back a really pleasant, easy time in my life, and it's great music. You think they stack up to Bruce Springsteen? No way. They're better, they're better than anybody. Better than the Rolling Stones? Yeah. 
at the news conference announcing their 20th anniversary tour. Peter Tork, Mickey Dolenz, and Davy Jones clowned with the media, and among themselves as if they had never separated. And although Mike Nesmith will not join them on this tour because of prior commitments, he was there in body, if not in mind. He's terribly busy. Prior commitments, he says. And besides, he's lost his voice. The Monkees kick off their 40-city nationwide tour this weekend in Atlantic City. Not exactly a rock and roll kind of town. Ours is a nice, entertaining family show, so bring your families, bring your mums and dads, and it's a chance for those that haven't been out with their parents lately to take them to see the same show as they watched when they were 20 years younger. It's been said that the Monkees shows were the original music videos, but that was not quite the intention. At the time, we didn't know they, were, they weren't music videos. At the time, we were looking for a way to get music, our songs, into the show. And you couldn't show a test pattern. <laughs> so it was like, what do we do? Well, let's run around the room, and uh, we'll be chased by the bad guys. No, we'll, we'll chase the bad guys. Good. Okay. Roll it. <laughs> and cut that to the music. Many people believe that the monkeys took their last train to Clarksville over 20 years ago. But that train has yet to make its final stop. Lauren Sidney, CNN, New York. Fun. The monkeys was fun. We're it was about happy. There was nothing, it, as Mickey always says, it wasn't brain surgery. Of course, <laughs> he's wrong about that. But. They will appear in Atlantic City this weekend and then throughout the country. They are suddenly hot for the first time in 20 years. Why? Because MTV has been playing the monkeys' old TV shows and their music. I think essentially MTV. Uh, uh, we, actually, no, hand it to them. It's talent. <laughs> but the biggest question on everyone's mind today was where was the fourth monkey, Michael Nesbitt? Why wasn't he at the press conference? Mike? Mike Nesbitt? Mike? Mike? Where? Mike? Isn't he here? Oh, God. Oh, that, Mike? Maybe he'll drop by. Maybe he'll drop by. We thought he'd drop Better in. late than never. Okay. It's just that... Uh, Mike, you made it! Everybody used to think that Peter was the dummy, but now... Ah, oh, uh, we, great! Uh, uh, well, he has prior commitments. He tells us that he's got um, commitments to shoot that he's been signed up to do for months in advance of when we all decided we would do it. It would be a wonderful idea, and I can't see him staying away too long. They've all stayed in show business over the years, but now they're in their 40s. Now they have families. My little family. Aren't they cute? All little girlies. I want to put this... I want to put this delicately, but you're a middle-aged man. No! No! No, God! He said it! He said the word! As they left, there was a question which had to be asked. Can they do it again? Is the magic still there? I can't believe I've seen him after 20 years. I finally seen him! David Jones! David, I've had a crush on David Jones for 20 years. 20 years! And I finally get to see him, and he looks just as good as he does on tape. Oh, he looks fantastic. Josh Howell, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Okay. Josh had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> he did, yes indeed. Thank you, Lubo Binga. It's so cool to see those clips and look back. And speaking of looking back, it's time for another Monkey's Color Cast commentary. Melanie and Jeff are waiting in the theater. It's time to go watch the Monkey's Color Cast commentary as they do. Captain Crocodile, you ready? Absolutely. Ready. Click the big button, Sarah. Let's go. Click. Yay! Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36.30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... Baloney. Perhaps not. Holy cliffhangers, Batman. Aren't you even... The Monkeys. Brought to you by Kellogg. 
The Henry Cabot Lodge. Worn out after a long day on the dusty roads, the friendly, experienced, and musically gifted staff of the Henry Cabot Lodge will see to your every need. Enjoy personalized, attentive service at the Henry Cabot Lodge, where your guest is as good as mine. Welcome once again to the Zilch Color Cast. I am Jeff Hewlett, and here with me is Monkey Magic author, the one and only Melanie Mitchell. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I am great, thanks. How are you? I am wonderful. It's been a little while since we did one of these color casts. I'm excited to be back in the chair with you. Me too. Yes, yeah, this, is, this is cool. Tonight, we are going to be covering the 23rd Monkeys episode in the airing order, Captain Crocodile. But, of course, before we do that... We have some more unfinished business from our previous color cast for Monkeys at the Circus. So, Melanie, do you want to jump into our unfinished business? Well, do you remember the question that you asked me? Of course I do, because you lamented it. It was <laughs> how many Monkeys episodes started with the Monkey Mobile being driven? And then I came back at you later on and said how many episodes ended with the Monkey Mobile being driven. Ooh, I like that. Did you do your research? I well yeah there's some there's some research to be done but uh I I'm I'm a, quite the slacker I've been a little bit busy <laughs> That's okay I oh, did it both happens. So Okay let's start with okay. episodes that began with the monkey mobile being driven Okay 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 The spy who came in from the cool is one mm-hmm. um, they were driving into the uh downtown area to do some shopping Right Alias Mickey Dolans Mickey mm-hmm. was parking the car but technically driving it and Hillbilly Honeymoon. They drove Ooh. into town and stopped right on that little white line right down the middle of town. Very cool. Okay. So there's only a few. I'll mention some honorable mentions. Uh-huh. It's a nice place to visit. began with the Monkey Mobile in the opening scene, but it was oh. being repaired. They were not driving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monkey's Race Again, also, the Monkey Mobile was in the opening scene being repaired. Hmm. And finally, the Monkey's in Texas began with the Monkey's arriving in a golf cart. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> close. Not as cool as the Monkey Mobile, but close. Okay. Now, as far as episodes that ended with the Monkey Mobile being driven, I'm going to start off by mentioning the case of the missing monkey. Oh. When they drove away from the uh, Remington Clinic in the Monkey Mobile, that episode ended that way. But there are two episodes that both began and ended with the Monkey Mobile being driven. Oh. One of them was the one we just did, Monkeys at the Circus. And the other one was Monkeys in a Ghost Town. Well, that's show business. <laughs> well, thank you for answering those questions, Melanie. That, that was really cool. And it's, it's kind of funny, these weird observations that come out of these color casts that lead to some fun discussions. So... Hopefully everyone out there also enjoys knowing some of these little bits of trivia that Melanie helps unearth for us. And if I missed one, somebody tell me, but I don't think I missed any. Well, you you are the monkey magic author, so we trust you. Well, that pretty much guarantees that someone will find that I missed one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So let's, let's move on. So we're finished with our unfinished business. We're going to talk about tonight's episode Captain Crocodile, and before we start our color cast commentary proper, as we always do, we're going to talk through some of the details about this episode, starting 
with the cast. And who better to start with than Captain Crocodile himself, Joey Foreman. So he also appeared in Monkey Chow Main as Dragon Man. So along with uh, lots of other guest appearances, he was a regular on such shows as The Mickey Rooney Show, The New Steve Allen Show, The Sid Caesar Show, and The Joey Bissett Show. That's a lot of shows. Yeah, and that was regular, you know, ca- regular part of the cast as opposed yeah. to just guest appearances, yeah. So who else I actually, actually found an old episode of The Mickey Rooney Show, and Ooh. he was basically Mickey Rooney's best friend on the job. Oh, that's awesome. So the next one we have is Phil Roth, who plays Howie Needleman. <laughs> who is the apparently head writer for the Captain Crocodile show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of his credits were not for television shows, but for films. And one of the things I've learned from uh, Roseanne Welch is that actors tended to either do films or TV shows, but they didn't tend, at least back in the 60s, to do a lot of both. So it's unusual, I think, in this case. We have a film actor who was playing this little role on TV. Um, He appeared in Catch-22, What's Up, Doc, Harry and Tonto, Linda Lovelace for president, and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Linda Lovelace for president, huh? Yeah, Mickey was in that movie. No way, that's great. Way? I haven't seen it. Me neither. I never even heard of it until just now, so. Oh, man. So next up, we have got the child actor, Junior Pinter, played by Joey Bayo, And, of course, as the last name would make you to believe, he is a cousin of Scott Bayo. He was 13 years old when this episode was filmed, so quite young. And I think he did a great, great job for for a young guy. He appeared on Broadway for two months in the summer of 1965 as the Artful Dodger in a production of Oliver. Isn't that incredible? He played the same role that Davey played. I know. Isn't that – I wonder if the two of them talked about that uh, while they were on set together. Uh, Or I'm sure they realized that when they were together. I hope so. And he was only 12 years old when he had that role. That's incredible. Well, that that, that actually does make sense to me, though, because I, you know, watching this episode, his part, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't super prominent in the episode. He had some really good little bits in there, but he did a, a wonderful job uh, playing like a childlike almost CEO. I uh, I really enjoyed that bit of this episode, and so he also appeared in three episodes of a TV show called The Hero. And in 1969, he appeared in five episodes of The Doctors, which he would have been around 16 at the time. And I don't think there's much more of a career for him after that. Not much of a show business career. Um, no, I wonder I what no he wanted to him. Yeah, well, I'm sure he got into something. He was a talented kid, so I'm sure he wound up going into some sort of a fruitful career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who okay. else we have? Well, we have um, uh, Oliver McGowan, who mm-hmm. played... J.J. Pontoon, the network executive, um, he previously appeared um, in the episode Monkey See, Monkey Die oh. as the estate attorney who comes to the monkey's door to let them know about the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And he also appeared on the Star Trek episode Shore Leave as the caretaker. Ah, there's our Star Trek connection. There you go. Always love our Star Trek connections on the monkeys. That was one of the magical things about the, the late 60s television shows there were always these interconnections between different series so if you were a fan of multiple tv series there's a good chance some of your favorite guest actors would appear on on multiple series that you watched so kind of cool uh let's see who else oh and finally we have the stage manager larry gelman who previously appeared in i've got a little song here which i've confessed before is one of my very favorite monkeys episodes uh as a movie director and he will appear again in the christmas show as a toy store manager. Mm-hmm. Lots of little parts. 
Yeah, yeah, lots of little parts. So we got some other information about this episode, too, before we actually jump into the uh, commentary, right? Yep. Um, the episode was directed by James Frawley. And the writer, well, we've got a complicated credit here. The story is by Peter Meyerson and Robert Schlitt, who had previously teamed up to write Royal Flush, Monkeys nice. in a Ghost Town, and Monkey Mother. Cool. Actually, that's not a previously, but anyway. Um, and soon will team up to write Monkey Mother. Um, but the teleplay was by Peter Meyerson, Robert Schlitt, Gerald Gardner, and Dee Caruso. So four different writers had their hands in this episode. Well, yeah, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense after watching the episode again and reading that. It definitely makes a lot of sense. What about the, the filming of this episode? Is there anything significant about the filming? Filming ended on October 21st of 1966. It was the 19th episode filmed. You mentioned earlier this is the 23rd episode in air date order. So um, it was filmed a little bit earlier than some of the recent episodes we talked about, which were filmed in December. Um, this one was filmed in October. And it was filmed directly after the episode Dance, Monkey, Dance. The two episodes were filmed back to back. And what's interesting about that is that the two episodes have romps that are very similar to one another. In Dance, Monkey, Dance, we see them doing all kinds of interesting dances all over the different sets on the Columbia Ranch. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, Captain Crocodile, we see the children chasing the monkeys through yes. those same sets wearing those same dance costumes and even imitating some of the same dance moves. For example, there's a bit where they're running up and down a, a set of stairs wearing tuxedos, which, you know, was a very classic part of the Dance Monkey Dance romp. Mm -hmm. I believe, I can't prove it, but I believe that both of these romps were filmed at the same time. I, I had a feeling that that was the case, having watched this earlier uh, today and yesterday. Uh, I, I just kept getting this familiar feeling about that romp that I'd seen a lot of that stuff uh, before. So yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because I was going to bring that up during our commentary and question you there. But I think we needed a little more time to really talk through this because um, the reason that I'm convinced of this mm -hmm. is not because of most of the dance costumes, which they could have pulled those out of wardrobe anyway, but there's one moment in both romps where the monkeys are just wearing ordinary plain t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. In one episode, they're doing an Indian dance and they get snowed on. And in the other episode, um, the children chase them onto a Western set and they yep. hide behind a watering trough. Yep, yep. And the t-shirts are the same. Oh, and if they were just doing I, yeah. plain old t-shirts, there was no reason for them to wear the same plain old t-shirts on two different filming days. Exactly. Good eye. That's, that's a great observation. I, I, you've, you've got me convinced of this. So what's really funny is that at the end of the romp in Dance, Monkey, Dance, Davy says, You must be joking. You know how much it costs for those sets and costumes? <laughs> and here we have a money-saving effort. Mm -hmm to film two romps at the same time to save time and money <laughs> for all those sets and costumes. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for educating us a little bit here, Melanie. I, I was... I love speculating. No, I, I think that's, that's perfectly valid. I, 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 you've got me convinced. So uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, uh, the episode first aired on February 20th of 1967. And... Songs in this episode were Valerie, well, the original cut of Valerie, uh, your Auntie Griselda, of course, and in later rebroadcasts, they uh, replaced Valerie with Pleasant Valley, oh, wait a minute, sorry, Pleasant Valley was used in place of Auntie Griselda, 
not Valerie. So um, there was also no indication of a song substitution when it was rebroadcast in 69 and 70. So what else? There do we may have? have been, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. So, okay. So what else do we have? Anything? I think that's pretty much it until we get started. Okay, so you guys out there in listener land, we are going to get ready here to get started with our color cast commentary. And if you want to listen along, you can fire up your Blu-rays or DVDs or streaming services. Go ahead and play pause, and we are going to get started in three, two, one. Okay, the opening shot of the clock, one minute to air, and Howie Needleman is running around saying one minute to air, one minute to air. He starts at one minute, 30 seconds to air, and finishes at 55 seconds to air, and that's actually pretty impressive. I never saw any other time reference in the in the whole series that was as close as this one is. Oh, nice. So good was, for you, Howie. I was going to bring that up. I felt like this was the <laughs> longest one minute that ever existed. Because... Well, it's about 35 seconds, but he starts at a minute and a half and ends at 55. That's not bad. It's not horrible. Not horrible. I like the depiction of the chaos on the set here, and I like how he's got that kind of messed up hair, like he's been running around like a crazy person. They really did a good job yeah. of giving him that wild hair, but I think this opening sequence gives a, a lot in uh, in one tiny bit. I mean, you've got this chaotic set, you've got this prima donna star, you've got this bratty kids, and you get the setup that the monkeys are they're they're kind of being played, right? I mean, they're they're getting tarps put over them. Yeah. You've got the 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 Captain Crocodile villain setup, but you don't really get much of a of an explanation as to why he's got this anger towards the monkeys. You have to wait until yeah. after the stinger for the big reveal. Yeah, it's it's good um, uh, character development. Earlier, Peter quoted or paraphrased um, Newton Minow when he said that television was a vast wage wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> I also I really like the fact that this is so meta. We're we're, see, we're watching a television show and they're making a television show on the television show that we're watching. We're seeing cameras and boom mics and we're seeing the. The, the producer, the guy, the, the guy here holding up signs for the kids to make noise. It's great. And all the pies in the face, of course. Right. This is the uh, ballroom set. We saw the uh, oh, double doors and the green walls earlier. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it is very meta. Extremely the, meta. Uh, and when did that pie in the face gag finally die out? I think it was uh, still, still big in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, also, the... Um, Oh dear, I had a thought and then it escaped from me, so I'll come back to it. Here we are watching the uh, opening credits, and I want to tell you something that's going to be coming up after the opening credits. Yeah. Um, there's a scene in the outer office of the network, and uh, Peter's going to pull a wire out of his pocket and try yeah. to hand it to the secretary. And while he's doing that, Davy is going to reach in with his clever little fingers, and he is going to pull the actual telegram out mm -hmm. of Peter's jacket. Um, since Davey actually played a pickpocket on Broadway. I'm not sure how well they trained those young actors, but during this opening scene, I want everyone to really watch what Davey's doing because he is going to pick Peter's pocket. That's amazing because I've seen this episode so many times and I've never noticed that before. No, it took me a long time to notice it too. So thanks for pointing. I thought I always thought that Davey just had it in his own pocket. Yep. These are the uh, suits that uh, Mickey wore on the cover. Watch Davey. There it is. Watch Davey. There he goes. <laughs> and then Peter's. Uh, you're right. And Peter's feeling his coat like something just got yanked out of it. Very cool. Right. 
Um, on the cover of the album More of the Monkeys, Mickey is wearing that jacket. Oh, okay, cool. That all right, god cool. awful ugly plaid jacket with all the brass buttons. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, I, I love the foreshadowing of the Junior Pinter name on the yeah. door. And you think, well, this is this guy's name. Of course, here's the gag when they finally yeah. go in. Watch the secretary. She's going to roll her eyes. She is so fed up with this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the typical. So were these were these were these offices in the studio somewhere? They look uh, like temporary walls. They do. Yeah, they do look like temporary walls. But yeah, I mean, they've reused. They've, they've gone to places within the studio and around the the lots so many times on this show. I was just wondering if this was a. Yeah, you're right. Looking at the seams in the walls. Yeah. This definitely looks like temporary. Uh, so here's Junior Pinter. The, the gag is paid off. And, All these little things, like the little tiny chairs. And when Davey sits down, he's quite comfortable. But when Mike sits down, he has to fold himself into the chair. Yeah. But Davey's like, that, I think it's really nice. <laughs> I like that Junior Pinter's <laughs> pouring milk out of a out of a, of a like a bourbon decanter. <laughs> it's well played. It's very subtle, but it's well played. And of course, he's not wearing pants. He's wearing shorts with Short, knee socks, shorts. right? <laughs> but he's very businesslike. One oh, of the course. things I noticed in the in the script, and I do have the copy of the script for this episode, is he refers to the monkeys as boys. Oh, but really? in the Apishol episode, he refers to them as men, and I think that was an excellent change that they did. Yes, I agree, and I love the appearance of Tinker Toys here. By the way, the big Tinker Toy fan when I was a kid. So. <laughs> I just love his business-like attitude. Yeah, he does, he does so a really great job. Really, mm -hmm. really great job. And is, Now, is it me, or is there no cord on that phone? Uh, well, you're right. There's no cord on that phone. Okay, good. I, I wasn't sure if it was me, or maybe the cord was just dark, and you couldn't see it against his, the vest oh. of his suit. But I there, don't detect uh, it. There might, no, you're right. There might be a black nut. No. Not you know what? There's no cord. Look at his hand. There's no cord there. All right. So that was a faux phone call to his father in Australia. Right. <laughs> who's bringing him a panda bear home. Right. That's so sweet. Just there's... a little toss off at the end there. And here's the here's another big play up of the child gag. Now he wants to play hide and seek to which the monkeys mm -hmm. quickly run out of the room. And now here, here we go. He's got he's got his hair straightened up. All the the chaos is over. But we see him writing and this is this is the scene where we finally get the expose as to what's really going on with Captain Crocodile, right? He's got a a note from the network. They want to insert the monkeys into his show, and now we know why he's so angry at the monkeys because the monkeys are going to push him out. Yeah, I actually called this out as a nitpick in my uh, review of the episode because he refers to you know sabotaging the monkeys' first appearance on the Captain Crocodile show. But we've already seen them appear on the Captain Crocodile show. So that's true. I, I wasn't sure if that was a blooper or not. But when I saw the script, that's exactly how it was read in the script. Huh. So uh, maybe they were counting the other one as just a one-off cameo. And this is the first official appearance or something. Ah, uh, I got you. Well, this is, not, this is not a critique of this episode at all. But I've kind of felt like this episode is a little bit disjointed. Um, that Not saying anything bad, but... Actually, you know, I don't want to take too much away from this particular sequence here because I think this is really brilliant. This is. And Mickey I, does such a great job with it. It actually goes on like three times longer in the episode than it did in the script. The script oh, was real wow. fast. The and dropping it, of the sticks was not in the script. And the editing, by the way, the editing on this is superb. 
the whoever did the editing on this episode to cut to do these these cuts uh, between mm-hmm. Mickey and Captain Crocodile is it was absolutely brilliant. The timing is perfect, and I'm going to drop a little bit of an incendiary question here, uh, and and hopefully the the audience doesn't get angry with me, but. Of the monkeys, who else besides Mickey could have pulled that sequence off? I don't think oh, any of them could have. Absolutely not. No. That that was a, a genius move. Yeah, Davy might have been able to, but it would have Maybe. been out of character for Davy. I don't think, so yeah. It was, so. it was right. It would have been a completely different scene if it had been uh, Peter or Mike. Yeah. Now, actually, I have a question for you that you may need to research. Okay. So the, the little bit of backstory that Mickey tried to tell into the cameras, is that his real backstory or is that a it made is. up backstory? It he is. Went to Grant, he went to Grant High School, yes. Okay, so no, no research needed. graduated. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> I did research that already. <laughs> uh, I can't I guarantee. I don't think he always wanted to be a drummer. but uh, Okay, so there's a little bit of fiction. He did go to Grant that. High School. Got it. I love that gag with the bomb and the drum. Yeah, and what's wonderful is Mickey starts crying. Yeah. It's hard to see it, but you can hear him. Well, you know what? It, 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 if you think about it, now, oh, wait a minute. That dog costume has to have come from somewhere else. Oh, God, it's ugly. It is horrible. It but is. you know what? It makes it a lot is. of sense, though. It, you know, they're, they're poor, right? They're, they're poor musicians, and that damage to the drum uh, is, is detrimental. I mean, he's going to have to pay for that, right? I mean, You're talking about Mickey crying. Yeah, poor Mickey. Now, this is an interesting bit of continuity because they match the costumes in almost every case, except for Mike's shirt is a different color. But the, yeah. the denim jacket is the same. And Also, well, Mike is playing a different guitar yeah. in this performance. This kind of takes me out of it, though, because obviously they're in a different place. There's The background is very different, and there's a stack in the back there. So, uh, I don't know, it kind of... It kind yeah. of bugged me a little bit. Like this, this was one of, and it gets redeemed later in the episode. But I felt like this could have been a, a something they filmed on set. But I get it. You know, they film these things separately and drop them into the episodes, and that's that's cool. But I felt like this could have been one of those things that they could have done a custom romp for. Well, yeah, but you know, unlike the last episode, Monkeys at the Circus, where their costumes were all different, at least they matched the costumes. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give in you that. all cases except for Mike's shirt. Right. Um, the, everything else is the same. Davey is shaking that tambourine so hard, and there is no tambourine in the song at this exactly. point. I know. <laughs> you know, speaking of the song, this I, I always love pointing this out because, you know, as a, as a, a kid who grew up watching this in the resurgence uh, in the 80s, I was so confused by this version of Valerie because it did not match the version of Valerie that I had on the cassette that I had been listening to. <laughs> For so long. So I and, you know, back then it was not like you could jump on the Internet and look up, you know, the different versions of the songs. It was it was just a point of confusion because that wasn't available. But how time. old were you? Uh, I want to say, let's see, I was born in 74. So probably 13, 14. Because okay. supposedly we're watching a band perform. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect them to perform the song identically every time. Well, I think I was perceptive enough to see that they were miming it. And but by the way, Mike's miming of that guitar solo is spectacular. Yeah, his fingers were moving awfully fast. I have oh, no idea what they were doing, off. but they were. Now I love it. At the very, very end, Mike shakes his hand like he's got a cramp. Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, he really sold it. And I, I love this. is a great example of Peter's Peter moves. Oh yeah, <laughs> he is so good at those. He he's so accomplished at the the kind of gyration that he does. He's so animated. I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, shaking his hand out. <laughs> Very cool. That was actually a really good continuity, but that, that really looked like they jumped from that scene they were just in and back into the set. So very good. So, uh, poor Peter's crying again. Now, to me, this is the whole sequence that saves this episode. I mean, it's okay, but this is this is so amazing. The, the various imaginary television performances that they put together. Yeah, and building it's, it's, up to the, uh, it's monkey magic, too. Because oh, yeah, it sequence, is. Right? Yeah. Right, because they're just imagining this, but they're all imagining it together. Yeah. I love so that this question. is the Hotly Brinkley Report, in case if there's anybody out there who doesn't remember what the yep. NBC Evening News was called back in the 60s. And let me just say really quickly, I love the fact that the wool hat is hanging on a hat rack in the background. <laughs> that is brilliant. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Now, in, in the script, the weather report was done by Davy, not Mike. Oh, wow, really? And the joke was that Davy couldn't reach the top of the map. <laughs> and he spent all, you know, a whole bunch of time having to jump to point at some weather system that was coming down from the north that he couldn't reach. Um, so they completely scrapped that whole business and, and gave it to Michael instead with a completely different joke. And I think it's a much better joke, to be perfectly honest. It, you know, it's good. I, I have to give Mike so many props for being able to stand up against that, that fan <laughs> and he pulls it off so so well here, and I love that quick costume change with the with the yellow raincoat too. Yeah, he really sells it. And I love that again. People might not remember um, what's my line uh, with the introducing of the um, various panel members. Great uh, 1950s 1960s game show. Yeah, I, that's one of the that's one of the things about this sequence that I think it, it's it kind of suffers with time because people may not get the gag anymore back then Mm -hmm. people probably really did get the gag but you know the fact that it's parodying other things may get lost it's still brilliant i'm not 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 taking anything away from it but it was totally a parody of things that people were watching every week and so it really would have been familiar stuff to them oh yeah yeah there's some really strange game shows back then like (laughs) (laughs) like this this parody uh, to tell I'm the truth, Davy Jones. Yeah, I'm the real Davy Jones. <laughs> yeah. There are some reruns on the Game Show Network, by the way, people. If you're interested yeah. in seeing some of these shows, now this is my favorite bit of the this whole. This is one of the best bits of the whole series. Mickey is so so perfect. I mean, it's this... ironic that Mike has to feed Mickey one of his lines, where in the last episode it was the other way around. Watch Davy, such grace made that landing on that platform and then jumps into the shot yep. right lands right on his mark <laughs> absolutely now melanie why not monkey men in this scene why is it the frogmen reuben the tadpole yeah i don't know Robin why the they boy i mean they're using monkey it's, men costumes aren't they yeah but you wouldn't have had reuben the tadpole which is robin the boy wonder it's perfect i know i'm just I'm, I'm thinking this would have been a perfect price for them, but I get it. And I love the um, the cues, the the sound effect cue cards that keep popping yeah. up with that '60s Batman vibe. Right. Do you think we should mess up some furniture? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love this. that. I mean, both all four of them are just perfect in the sequence with all yeah. the fake punches and the yeah. reactions that and are so clearly fake and yet crutch. But notice. <laughs> Notice that they also imitated the uh, the slightly tilted villain oh, yeah. lair shots from the 60s Batman as well. Absolutely. I love Davy's line here. Holy frog legs, Batman. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Very good parody. 
And 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 I love how Mickey slumps over right there. Yeah. And then Brilliant. Mike sort of snuggles in. But then this this last bit here, the timing. Yeah. As they start arguing is just perfectly matched. You know the the way it builds up with yeah. the poking and the shoving. And they're re- and I think they're really Davey. shoving each other too. I mean yeah. that's really physical. But watch when Davy hits him and Peter flies backwards out of the I shot. Mean, yeah. I mean his feet were flying. He didn't just fall over backwards. Yeah. He actually. He, Sold it backwards. <laughs> Absolutely sold it. So I, I I really like this scene too. I think this really does. Uh, I think Joey Foreman's acting chops here. He's so great. His comedic facial expressions as he's coming up with this evil plot. I just it's brilliant. Such great non-verb. Well, he was speaking, but the way he was contorting his face and making those funny expressions really sells it. Now it's implied that he's responsible for this hate mail. It's yes. not actually communicated, but it's implied that it was Captain Crocodile who arranged for all these hate letters to be sent. Of course, yeah, well, I mean, he he he's coming up with this plot. You see him, he's talking about this evil idea, and then it immediately cuts to this. So that's brilliant. He didn't actually have to say it, but the audience can easily figure that out. Now, you asked earlier whether they reused a set. This is a reused set. I was going to this... ask that, yes. Yes, this, episode, this set appears in two other episodes. It was back in Monkey vs. Machine as the president of the toy company's office. And it will be seen again in oh, The Monkey's Paw as a psychiatrist's oh, office. Oh, cool. Yeah, it did look very familiar. And God, I love this. is another incredibly good Mickey character right here. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this sounds like something that I would hear in a meeting, in a boardroom meeting at work. Just yeah. rattling off these weird, bogus, crazy numbers and and, and just kind of double talk to confuse everybody. And uh, uh, Captain Crocodile has the Captain Quig rolling the balls around in your hand thing going on. Yeah, he's got that nervous tick. And you know, it's funny because that's become a really big deal nowadays with these fidget spinner things. People always have to be playing with <laughs> something in their yeah. hands. I love Mike as the janitor. And the script called for Mike to be a little old cleaning lady. They changed oh, wow. to a male character, huh. which works out well because later on, uh, Captain Crocodile says, you know, who will listen to the, the opinions of an old man? Oh. And that offended J.J. Pontoon. So yes. that worked out well. I, by the way, I love J.J. Pontoon's original line when he said, let's run it up the antenna and check the reception. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful line that was. <laughs> uh, and I, I love how Captain Crocodile is getting increasingly nervous here, more more great he, he's such a great character actor uh, b- big highlight of this episode for me I, I think he just does such a brilliant brilliant job totally now, totally sells the role and there is oh, the strangest costume thing i have ever seen that little hat that davy is wearing With that says happy thing. fingers on it and i actually did some research this hat is left over from a movie 1953 oh. called the five thousand fingers of dr t and this is a movie that actually starred Hans Conrad, or Conried, um, as an evil piano teacher. Evil piano teacher. An evil piano teacher. I'm going to leave it there for now. I'll come back after we're done and tell a little bit about that movie. Okay. Sounds good to me. Uh, and here's more of that funny, intense, and the, the little clip of him, the, the sadness face. Uh, and I love the fact that he has an army of little child minions with custom t-shirts on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the crocodile core. 
and they're fully prepared to do evil and nasty things on his behest. Yeah, and I love that they printed up custom t-shirts for these kids. <laughs> I hope they all got to keep them, and I hope at least one of them still has the t-shirt. You know, closet. that's the thing. When we were doing who were the uh, actors in this episode, I would just love to know who some of these kids were, and are they still around? And would they come on the podcast and talk about their experience chasing the monkeys around Columbia Ranch? Because that's where they are. Yeah, All over Columbia Ranch. So these are the mock-ups of the dances from Dance Monkey Dance. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So we're all over the Columbia Ranch. Yep. Yep, a lot of these are familiar uh, sets and scenes from different places. I I love the costume changes. I remember what it was I was going to say very early on, which was that Captain Crocodile is actually a cross between two different beloved children's shows. Uh, of course, Captain Kangaroo, but also it has a lot of the um, Howdy Doody show with the oh, yeah. children sitting on the bleachers just out of camera range. Here's those T-shirts that I said, the same T-shirts they were wearing in the Indian dance. Oh, right. In Dance Monkey Dance. Now watch as the kid climbs out of the trough. That It looks like a bra hanging over the side it of the does. trough. It does. <laughs> One more thing about Captain Crocodile that I thought was kind of fascinating is that not only does his costume or persona have nothing to do with crocodiles, his set has nothing to do with crocodiles. So I, I thought that that was kind of a missed opportunity. They could have just put some sort of amphibious stuff sitting back there, or, or not amphibious, but uh, lizard-type <laughs> things, like some, some, tr- some jungle-type set or something. I don't know. Now, this so. contraption here with a bull's head on it, I'm guessing that's just a standard movie prop that's used for bullfighting scenes because the camera can do that point of view shot th- through the horns yeah but it is kind of weird looking isn't it with the wheels it is well i think there's a lot of uh, of stuff that came out of the the prop room yeah in this episode they just went and dug stuff out and brought it out up oh, and here we are another costume change yeah and well, again, you know what i gotta the say they used in the other episode this romp to me is one of the best integrated romps uh, in, in any monkeys episode, the, the, the segue into and the segue out of this romp fit the episode perfectly. And if I can say also the song is, is perfectly yeah. themed for what's going on. Absolutely. Because it's, the, it's the voice of the monkeys saying, Hey, don't do what the grownups tell you to do. Yeah. 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 But the I... resolution here, um, again, in the script, it just called for the kids to run into the set and Captain Crocodile to lose his temper and yell at them. But instead, we have this whole business with a dictionary and reading them a story. Yeah, and this is this is a brilliant, brilliant way to close it because it it shows you how endearing the monkeys could be, and you totally believe that they could charm these kids. Well, they've just been playing. I mean, basically that Mm -hmm. that chase scene we just saw with your auntie Griselda, it wasn't a violent chasing it was play. Yeah, it was. They were playing tag. They were chasing each other around, and and all kinds of exciting and exotic places. Um, the kids were enjoying it and the monkeys were enjoying it too. Yeah. And now we get the rest and relaxing story time to mm-hmm. calm everybody down. Right. And I and love how everybody gets story. to read a bit. Yeah. Mickey really goes, <laughs> oh, he really sells it too. Oh, and I love how each one of them in their own way, you know, messes up the story. Yeah. Was uh, this ad libbed? I, it's not in the script, but I don't know whether it was written out for them before they filmed. Okay. Of course, Peter's, you know, finishing up with Commando oh, in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I love to see Captain Crocodile in the in the sound booth going crazy back there. <laughs> Somebody on the Facebook group pointed out that um, if it was an urban dictionary, commando would have had a very different definition. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, the the sans underwear definition. <laughs> right. But uh, oh, and and of course it ends with the. Uh, the minions revolting, and you know what? I glossed over that Mickey mentioned the land of Kirshner yep. at the beginning of the story. I love that little mention of Kirshner in there. Yeah, especially since they've been demanding to be able to play. Yeah. Okay, look in the background behind Howie Needleman on the house. There's yep. a red sign that says yep. monkeys, and there's a paler red rectangle on it. Mm-hmm. That's actually the back from one of their director's chairs. Oh, really? And that red pale red rectangle is covering one of their names oh my was, that's interesting i was going to bring up the fact that the, the sign was actually on there and they, and they wound up making up a monkey's menagerie show sign to put on the wall yeah. <laughs> behind the kids I, I like what they choose to make for an episode versus what they find uh, in the prop room but you know i just noticed that when the children were yelling fun just now mm-hmm. you could see the bottom of that sign and the word crocodile was still oh it's reused from so they, earlier in the episode yeah right? <laughs> Okay, well, a few extra shots from earlier in the episode. You got to save money somewhere. Well, you know how much it costs for all these sets and costumes. Oh, I'm sure they're very expensive. <laughs> very expensive. So let me read you a quick um, sure summary of what the Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T is about. Um, it, this is a synopsis from IMDb, um, written by someone named Tim Kretschmann, and this is the synopsis. Bart has only one enemy in the world. His piano teacher, Dr. Terwilliger. (laughs) Dr. T has a mad plan to force 500 young boys to practice at his magnificent piano 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What? Let's see. I'm going to pause here and say 500 boys, 10 fingers each. That's your 5,000 fingers. Um, Okay, back to the synopsis. Uh, Bart is the only hope to save these boys from being enslaved. (laughs) Fantastic sets, screenplay, and even song lyrics were provided by Dr. Seuss. Wow. That that hat, that blue hat with the happy fingers and the hand on top, that's a Dr. Seuss design. Very Seuss. Now that you mention it, yeah. Very so cute. this movie features the only piano academy ever known to be equipped with cells and surrounded by an electric fence. <laughs> well, now I feel like I need to see this movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Although I don't think I want to go to bed right after. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I wonder where we can find a copy of this. I, I highly doubt it's on Netflix. Maybe... Well, it show... people tell me it shows up on uh, cable you know, movie networks sometimes. You know what? I think a search of good old YouTube might yield some results. I think I'm going to try it because a lot of these weird, wacky things wind up in their entirety on YouTube. I've seen it. There's a trailer. Oh, okay. I've seen the trailer. Excellent. Well, I'm and every one of those little kids, every one of those little boys is wearing that same blue hat with a hand on top. <laughs> wow. I wonder how they must have manufactured <laughs> so many of those things. Well, I don't know if they actually had 500 boys, you know, in the cast. Yeah, but, I'm sure. Uh, whatever boys you could see. We're wearing that hat. Uh, well, hopefully a lot of you out there in listener land are going to seek this movie out and tell us what you think of it when you watch it. So uh, we'll be watching for your comments in the, the Facebook group. Uh, oh, you know what? I think we also have to pick our most valuable monkeys for this episode, don't we, Melanie? We do indeed. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll give you the honor of going first if you'd like. Okay. I will go first then. For two reasons. Mm. For 
picking Peter's pocket and for pummeling Peter out of the frame, I'm giving it to Reuben the Tadpole. Nice, nice, nice. That was a, I almost did the same thing. It was a really hard choice for me. But I am going to go Mickey on this episode simply for his incredible range of characters that he plays in this. There were so many laughs in this episode for me that came from Mickey. I feel like for me, he was the most valuable monkey. And I think we've got quite a few picks from our uh, our listeners and Facebook group already, don't we? Yeah. In fact, you have a lot of company uh, choosing Mickey as your most valuable monkey. Uh, Christy Vanover says, Mickey, for starting the story that calmed down the kids. <laughs> nice. I love Linda it. Graham, Linda Gramwater said, I'm with Mickey here in the land of Kirshner. Ah, good. I love it. And Michael Lynch said, he had a long comment. He said, Mickey, for being a trooper, not only does he suffer the abuse heaped upon all four, the pies, the seltzer, the net, etc., but he alone gets singled out for bonus aggravation, <laughs> not once, but twice while being coached on how to talk to the cameras and when his bass drum explodes. Uh, Michael Lynch, I'm right there with you. Thank you for, uh, for backing up my pick. <laughs> now, backing me up, we had David Levin, who said, MVM is Davey just for wearing that shared shirt. And I think he's talking about the blue cloud shirt. Mm. Um, and Keith Combs said, I will go with Davey for singing Valerie and ducking that pie in the face, if only momentarily. Oh, Okay, I can I can see those that, that definitely definitely, and I think we've got some dissenters here too that pick Peter and Mike, and Peter surprisingly has a lot of picks. So I think let's see the Connie uh, Penadami. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. She says loved at the end when they were reading the dictionary and telling a story, and then Peter read it literally. That is a really good Peter dummy moment, for yeah. sure. Uh, and uh, Paula Brinkman says, reading the definition of commando verbatim, uh, another reference to that same bit. Uh, Ken Holzhauer, another vote for Frogman. Uh, uh, see, I voted for Ruben the Tadpole, but he voted for Frogman. Interesting. Uh, Kim Fair Winter enough. also voted for Peter. Megan McCoy, uh, Delacise. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing people's names. Delacise would have been my Delecise. guess. That's what I'm guessing. Um, okay, next time around, when people are voting early, they have to tell how to pronounce their name. Yeah, please, please <laughs> do, please do. And I'm, I really profusely apologize. Uh, I'm notorious for doing that. So, uh, and she says for pulling off that shirt. Not uh. sure which shirt she's talking about. She might be talking about the polka dot t ah. uh, shirt from uh, from the Valerie performance. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's see who else. John Wilson also voted for Peter, saying his uncanny ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time it's all down from downhill from here comedic gold i think that's one of the peter's most uh, endearing traits on this show and and you know i think i i always lament the fact that he always had to play that dummy role but he does get to say some really funny things uh, and i have to say yeah. that you know hats off to the four people who wrote this episode i don't know which one of them wrote that joke hmm. but the other three each gave a metaphor having to do with climbing and the heights Yes. Building up to the moment where, where Peter says it's all downhill from here. Mm. And, you know, that phrase, it's all downhill from here, doesn't always mean bad things. Sometimes no. it means, you know, from here, we're just going to slide and it's all going to be easy. Yeah, it's easy street so, after that. Yeah. Yeah, it can go both ways. Yeah, for sure. Oh, hey, the pod father himself, Ken Mills, also chose Peter, but with no justification. Shame on you, Ken Mills. <laughs> uh, Scotty Mabry Howells also chose Peter. 
Billy Parishow, I God, again, I hope Parishow, I hope that's right. Parishow, I'm sorry, uh, says, that's funny, doesn't look like a vast wasteland, re- referring to the television comment that you made reference to earlier in our commentary. And Michelle Klafka says, cheering him up was the reason for all great TV show riffs. So that is our Peter Block. I think we have some votes for Mike, too, don't we? We do. Um, closing out, we have Todd Costa Rica, who wrote just Tex Nesmith! <laughs> Three exclamation points, all caps. Brian Harwell wrote um, uh, Mike because it was he, in disguise as an old man, who actually gained respect from the board of directors. Hmm. Uh, Michelle Taylor gave it to Mike for the weather report. Nice. And finally, Tara Becker wrote, because he had to st- step in his father figure role for this episode, and oh. it was really good. That's that's a good one, too. I, I respect that pick for that, too. That's that's so, great. So, um, Three cheers to all our early voters. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not too late. We sure would hope that all of our listeners would come to the uh, Zilch Facebook group and cast your vote for Most Valuable Monkey. Yeah, and I, I know Melanie keeps very diligent track of all of these picks, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for the statistics. And, uh, well, I think that that brings us to the end of another color cast commentary. I just realized you haven't given me assignment for next week. <gasps> I know. I am I feel like I'm a slacker here. I, I <laughs> The assignment that I thought I had, you answered immediately. So <laughs> <laughs> you foiled me, so maybe no unfinished business. For the next well, episode. Maybe something will come up in the Facebook group. So you guys yes. confound us, confront us, ask us questions. Yeah, you've all you got an assignment out there, everybody. So uh, give us some unfinished business to, to look at before uh, we do our next color cast. So you got a little bit of time, and uh, we'll be looking for that in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. But once again, thank you so much for listening to this color cast commentary episode. Of Melanie, it's always great to be here with you. I always have a great time. Me too. It's so nice. Yes, and we will catch you guys next time on the Zilch Colorcast Commentary. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkey's Colorcast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timmers. Now, back to the show. And we'd like to thank Jeff Hewlett and Melanie Mitchell for bringing us yet another fantastic Monkey's Colorcast Commentary. Oh, it's always our pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'd also like to thank our announcer, Ghosty Timmers. Thank you, Ghosty. We want to thank you for listening today and being part of Zilch. We will be back very soon next week, as a matter of fact. We're going to hit you really hard as we work our way towards Zilch. 100. 100. Zilch. 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 And that's our show. Zilch is an online, non-profit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Coming up soon... An interview with Sandy Gennaro, former drummer of the Monkees. Christine and I got to meet him in Nashville, and we'll be back to talk about that. Glenn and Ian from 7A are going to be talking some upcoming releases and some new stuff that's coming out, and a really big surprise for episode 100. See you soon. Thank you for taking some time to monkey around with us today. 
<laughs> don't now. Now, really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Moron. Idiot. We just did 4A. And 4A. 4 A. Seven, 7A. <laughs> yeah, not not 7A, 4A. It's the one we just Melanie's did. Melanie's throwing me off, man. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt Hold on, we got a beep going on. And the beep goes we got, on. We got the beep. Oh. We got, we the, got beep. the beep. We got, <laughs> got the beep. Yeah, see, I, we I went back to the 60s. You guys are too modern for me. <laughs> <laughs> that newfangled new wave music. It's a disco yep. explosion. 1978. <laughs> I'm Gacy Gacy <laughs> with Disco Explosion. Alrighty. Yay! Woo! Box nine eight four seven. Woof! And the dogs for joining yeah. in. Yeah. Bell wants to jump into. <laughs> I'm a dog. Oh, you cut that out! <laughs> so mean. I've always wanted to do a musical episode of the podcast. We seem to be doing that today. Yeah. Yeah. So Ken, piss off. <laughs> yep. Anytime. <laughs> by the way, I, by the way, I had a great. Uh, gimmick for M&M's. They should announce that on April 1st they're changing the name of the company to the WW's <laughs> and put out every bag that's in the store for like a month are, is upside down M's. They don't have to retool anything. But just think about it. You would see those animated cartoon uh, you know CGI M&M's like What's going on here? And the one guy standing on his head, he says, "You just could, you just could put the shirt on, right?" And the other one's trying to stand on his head and falls over. I think it would be hilarious. The out, the internet outrage. The, the internet demands that the WW become the M and M's again. You missed your calling and marketing, Ken. Seriously, that would be hilarious. No, it would be. It would cost them zero, no more than their average Silch. commercial, and it would get it everyone. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and just imagine everybody's fake outrage on Facebook. I refuse to eat WWs. Only M and M's for me. <laughs> so stupid. I mean, have you seen the Snickers bars that are packaged with various um, personality traits on the back? No. No. You know, they're, how they're on display, it'll say, you know, irritable or cranky or depressed. <laughs> oh, my. Senile. Impotent. <laughs> Narcoleptic. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, okay, so here we go.